Hi. Barbie does change. Test free. Reading a story called Vermont Fire Pizza. I really don't miss Vermont. The memories I have are clear in me and vivid as I'm transported there. I took her with me when I left. I bring her with me and she's a layer of my being. I learned important lessons there. It took 25 years to write this story of Vermont Fire Pizza because along the way I learned to practice being a mother, spouse, lover, farmer, and doing a donor. I came out the other end all those lovely important times with my children only because my land grounded me. My crops showed me life cycle and I cry and laugh about that now. She colors all my experiences and my lipstick and his and my paints and I try to dress bright so I she can see me. All the land I ever lived with is now part of me as my liver for Christ's sake. What do you think? I am her, I farmed her, I watched her grow, and I put things there in her soil, on her skin, so she would remember me. I told the roots of my trees. Everywhere I lived, I tried to make a home. I put real plant roots in, and I ate those roots. It just seemed my homes were more comfortable outside than inside, and I'm sad about that. I go back occasionally, driving the roads to see so-and-so and so's house getting lost now, unthinkable then. The roads look so small now. Why is that? They used to run with big people's they used to run with big people's important souls. Yeah, I fucking lived there. I lived there. I did. One time two girls didn't make it to school. 4 hours later they were found dangling upside down, flipped over in their family jeep, laughing their asses off, you know, shit like that. I'm dignified in my satisfaction of being a flatlander who survived 25 years in that fucking cold tundra. She kicked my ass really good. Thank goddess her tough farming taught me to live hard pressing on. A true New England spiritual lesson only a few get. They don't let everybody in. You can live in Vermont and not even be there. It's up to you. I knew I had a choice, especially being a New Yorker, moving into Vermont hillside. For sure, I'd have to struggle to make them understand the difference between a New York City kid like me and an educated white man. Odd for me, I was a Hellcat hoodlum and I was an educated scrapper from that side of town. When, and I went to college when the back door got open and a bunch of poor people and black people got in. Yep, that was me. I was a real city slicker, a slick and, you know, a player. I survived, I grew up surviving the 50s and the powerful 60s and I could take Vermont, yep, I could do it. I knew I could, but I'd have to do it really hard to get accepted among the folks here. Everybody who lives here knows that. Yeah, I'd have to be, after showing my brass ovaries, one man told me, as I was found out by the whole town, I didn't move over when the men told me to. They saw that I stood up and those land grubbers came to me as I didn't put them on. They told me outright, thanks, you've done a really good job now. It's time to move over here and let Mr. Nice White Boy take over all your hard work. And we're gonna use this issue here as a political stepping stone, the Democratic Party bosses said. 
I stood there a few seconds looking at the men who wanted their names in the paper and said, you know, Senator, if you value your family jewels, you'll back up and out of my personal space and you'll never embarrass yourself by acting stupid and saying anything to me again. All the men laughed like hell, but they also knew that I was not, this was not the Mae West answer they were looking for. It meant that I was going to be, it was all going to be hard and the work of hard community organizing um, was not going to be given over easily. They wanted to show up and take the microphone, but it was not the slick politicians that kept Vermont green and safe and clean. It was the people that lived there. Why are you the craziest stupid fucking New Yorker we ever did know? The men, the more I talked to people, the more they told me. And I hooted and hollered and told them what rotten jerks they were. And the more they trusted me in their homes, at their tables, and they took me in. They taught me things, farming, living, and when everyone else gives up, how to grow food. When spring comes so late, you think nothing of building a fire in the wood stove on June 17th. You know, shit like that. Talking among them was musical art. It took years to understand the back hills speak that rolled off their tongues like the hills we lived near and in. I was constantly shaking my head like I understood for years when I couldn't understand what the hell was going on. I just showed up and I stood still and I could not, but I could not get the twang. All I felt was the beginning or ending of something big. Those mountain ranges worn round, old, yeah, yeah, they're still connected to the Appalachian Blue Hills down and further west and south. Everything seemed real Indian-minded to me there. All land-based, climate-driven, cyclic. What the fuck could be wrong with this? Yeah, those are the people who set the environmental tone for greening America. The old conservative Vermonters, those lion Indians and French-Canadian deserters all more in love with land than anything else. I liked the crank, so I had to learn to sit in the middle of the field of barley for one hour, rather than walk straight across it like I was. A, it was a city block. Shit like that by saying... They would say to me, you're the only person we'd ever seen walk straight across the field without stopping like you was in a cloud or something, the old milkman said. And I would say, yeah, I was thinking. Thinking? Don't you know that's all been done already and all there is left to do is enjoy life? Ha, 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 ha. Well, they kept me laughing for 20 years in the tundra-driven cold holler Vermont. Thank God for some old men. I laughed in their faces and told them every day the longer I stayed around them all, the more solid New Yorker I became. Vermont love was slow. I farmed with them for 17 years, gardens and devoted green laws in... <clears throat> recycling and toxic waste laws and pounding their filthy shovels right out of the cow's barn covered with shit and they became environmental stewards and I was right with them lion Indian mine and all claiming my roots as present there on the land connected to the earth just one of the many grateful creatures of mother's earth these folks along with the ropes of spirit ancestors pulled on my heartstring making me relate to the beauty so smack in my face the colors I could finally get my head out of books and perch on the ground. Old Vermonters, practitioners of 100% recycling and restoration so all can share in the wrath and 
wrath and love of the soil by taking the earth as she is. No hoarding, little ways, sun and moon, the hillside there, a bouquet of flowers from a man who said, Look, there's Mount Pleasant. Really? Is that the name of the mountain? Always looking for facts, I was. Who knows? Whenever I'm with you, that's Mount Pleasant, he said. Or the crusty old neighbor from Canada somewhere who, when he died of shingles, was also laughing his ass off dying, and he took months after he died to leave the apple orchard. He was always wandering there. I would come over to the house and say, hey, I'm scared shitless Kosovar is walking in the apple trees again. And everyone would say, yep, he's been there all morning. The other live people never said, lifting their eyes to mine, and it took months to stop seeing him wandering with his hands in his pocket, looking up, always looking up at the sky. Yeah, shit like that. On one of the very worst and hottest days of my Flatlander life was a 95-plus humid day in the buzzing Vermont hillside. I was only 35, the mother of two and a school bus driver. I decided to come outside in the boiling tin can of the trailer I lived in and give a hand to those men working on the hottest day of the year in the field. Across the dirt road, the men were bailing hay onto the tractor-pulled wagon hot and wet as hell. I joined in. Hey, go home and put a shirt on and long pants on. You'll get all cut up, they said. It's too damn hot, I said. I can't put a long pants on. I'm fine in my halter top and shorts, I said. Joining with the men, throwing all those hail bays out of the wagon and back into the barn into the mow. Duke, the fat old black dog, was yelping with his tail, looking just like a propeller on a helicopter, going round and round, running alongside, and never told me what a jerk I was being. No one ever yelled at Duke to stop barking, because he knew he was just talking and not a vicious or mean dog. Old Duke loved to run alongside the wagon, barking his fool head off. Every hay season, they hoped old Duke wouldn't have a heart attack barking. There's nothing so spectacular in Harmas as picking up 58-pound hail bales in the sweltering heat on a beautiful green hillside in Dale in Vermont, just when the right amount of heat and sun have dried the hay bales out. Until the next day, when nothing works to take the stinging welts as they swell all over your arms and legs, so you have to go to the doctor who said, Didn't anyone tell you to put on a long sleeve shirt and pants before you picked up the hay bales? If I didn't hear this exact same phrase 10 times, I heard it 11. You know, shit like that. As a Flatlander New Yorker, hey, I needed a job. That was my culture. Where in the hell does one get a job in the village of 600 people? You know, the city kid wanted to know. Well, that would be close to home for sure. I dropped my baby off at her new Vermont mother's house, and I walked down the hill to in a ditch, careful, careful to avoid the mud hill road to the sawmill. In my green army packs, I used those unlined, I had the unlined boots on, and they were cold as fuck. I am a New Yorker, but I can take it. I've got to get really warm socks. When I got there, I thought it was a junkyard, and it turned out to be the passenger school bus yard. 
about eight or ten of them to take their kids to a unified school district set over right next to a dry cleaning plant up the hills a ways. With so many cars and people, it looked like the breakfast snook for sure where everybody met up in the morning. Hey, it was 9 a.m. Oh, this is great, I thought. This is a good job seeking time. There's a lot of people around. Everybody will be there getting ham and eggs. So I, you know, I walked in. I walked past the rusted, cut-up, indiscernible metal shit, the car parts, and the kids running, and the vicious dogs. Hey, hi there, hi. Hey, will you grab that dog there, will you, huh? I shouted, because all these dogs would bite you. I'd already drawn attention to my New York self by calling for the vicious dog to get caught, so the crowd just noticed me and went dead silent. Absolutely dead silent. I guess that it was my tallness that scared everybody, and they all looked like little short munchkins to me, and, well, I thought I might as well be an Oz. I walked further through the sawdust flying, beyond the noise, to the men who were sitting around the hole in the dirt floor. They had dug this big hole in the dirt so they could work on the underside of cars. Everyone stayed seated on their overturned buckets with filthy pillows squishing out from under their fat asses. Hi, I said. I just moved here. And I lived up, I live in, in the hired man's trailer up on the wagon farm. And I wonder if anybody here has a job for me just a few hours a day. The, the hardest part was the silence. They all grinned, spit, turned redder than hot pokers, and shuffled around in their seats, snooted, and barely started laughing, known better than to laugh outright straight in my face. I just stood there trying to figure out which tree I was going to be today to shorten the elf like uh, I didn't know what to do. I was going to be a tree, and the shortest man says, I don't know. Can you drive that thing over there? He said, waving his arms and hopping bull-legged, pointing to a 66-passenger yellow long school bus outlawed in Connecticut and driven up here to the countryside for safekeeping. Drive that school bus? Yeah, yeah, can you you drive that thing over there? Can you drive it? Yes, yes, I can. Where are the keys? I was smart to say. Boy, they're in it, he says. He jumped up and down a real fucking scene in front of everybody since I didn't know everybody leaves their keys in the ignition in Vermont. Dumb, stupid, fiddy, city cokes all thieves, you know. They all laughed like a band of jackasses. Well, no problem. I got in the old school bus and got her off the main road onto a country road out of the way. She sure is a big thing, and you had to be to look out these big side mirrors to see your own ass. Oh my God, what the fuck did I do? Now all I can do is go down the hill since I can't turn this long school bus around on this skinny thing they call a road. I'm good and screwed now. Mud up to the axles with lots of clay just to rocket her down the road. Sure glad I ended up in the wet stony riverbed thinking how I was trying to get some of the mud off the under the carriage of the bus. The bus was acting like a bunkin' bracco as I couldn't seem to get all the wheels on the path at one time. 
She waddled, she healed, choked, and moaned. At times I thought a window might pop, and hours went by. My milk was streaming down my fucking shirt. I hadn't nursed my baby in hours. I heard dogs howling. I traveled along till the road picked up again, only to go up and down again and to disappear into a cliffside. And finally, after hours of waddling, the 66 yellow behemoth still in one piece, I dumped out off the side of the mountain into a muddy field. When I got down off the road, the entire village had been watching me come across sideways and on the side of the hill, and they were there to greet me. Knowing I was so scared to stop for fear of getting stuck in the soft, unplowed cornfield, I would have drove right past them, and they sort of walked in front of me, all grinning and smiling and just getting in front of me. I finally stopped the bus and got out. Guys yell at me, well, you're the first person over the past this year, kind of early in the spring, don't you think? Some people stammering, grinning more than most. I smiled and nodded, I, yeah, 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 early, yep. I stopped out and sauntered up to the crowd, waddling mud, smiling, thinking just how was I going to get out of this deep shit I was in. I was trying to get my bearings to get back home to my baby, my baby. Now, my, I needed nursing because my boobs were dripping wet. And I said, yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, I'm I'm, uh, I'm uh, Athena. And uh, I, hey, what's the name of this here town? Anyone can some... Anyways, can some here, somebody here give me a ride home? I gotta get home and nurse my baby right away. Well, everybody fell down laughing silly, walking, talking on walkie-talkies, and I became a Vermonter right then and there. I sensed the job of school bus driver, mostly because everybody in two towns had learned my name on the radio. Yep, I saw, I did, I lived, I was there. For 25 years, I plowed, planted, grew crops, canned and froze food with the land-loving dirt farmers, becoming grounded to soil and land would always call me, call me wherever. The spirit land, this pierced me with my, my Indian mind. Vermont land called me and squared, it squared me up with myself. I think a few Vermonters that knew that even when I didn't I thanked them for seeing the real me solid oak and cherry I was through and through nothing pine soft about me the end this has been test free mm-hmm.